All right, who needs strikers or centre-backs or Joseph Bartomeo? Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's Wednesday the 28th of October. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Andy Rattle. No fish today, guys, so we've got something even better for you, Brussel. Hello. Thanks you've for got, coming. You've got something even better for me. I am me. <laughs> it's not for me. Well, the best thing for you is to just be sitting here with us, I imagine. Bottom line, I'm his fish. <laughs> well, you, you probably better had because you're yeah. going to take a lot of the old vish sticks in, <laughs> in that chair and I very much look forward to it. It will be an honour. Yeah, you've come straight from, you haven't slept, have you? You've come straight from the BT chairs. Yeah, that's right. It goes all, all through the night. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's like it's, quite it's, a party. It's, from it's a bit tough. I was sitting. <laughs> Who's your favourite? Who's my favourite? Um, I would have to say it would be Mark, the floor manager. Nice. Very good. Very diplomatic. Nice little, nice little sidestep. Yeah. Oh, he's so proud he's managed yeah. to see that one off. Yeah, you've got to get up pretty early to catch Andy Brassel out because he doesn't drink. I was trying to think. Of some other way of catching you out, Jim, but but uh, I, I'm too yeah, slow. You can improvise. Who's that. your favourite out of us? Uh, Vish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we've got all of the uh, the aggro, the potential aggro out of the way. You know what? I, th- I think Vish is very much like Mauricio Pochettino. Like his his reputation is augmenting in his absence. I mean, that's mm. the extraordinary thing about football coaches, in particular, mm. isn't it? Yeah, you're out the game essentially doing nothing mm. and you become a better coach you while loom. you're away. Yeah, you loom on your sabbatical. I think Pochettino is sitting there watching a lot of extremely detailed highlights of games and I don't know, I don't yeah. imagine that he is having any time off. Is he Please. tall enough to loom? I mean, he could have loomed with his Paris Saint-Germain hair when he had that, but I, I don't think he could loom with That's his current hair. Your, your, shadow, your shadow looms, isn't it? So I guess it depends where he is in relation to the nearest light source. Yeah, I, su- I suppose. I mean, th- the thing is, I-, I guess it's because I've done the Ramble meets with Arsene Wenger quite recently. And, you know, in shadow, he could pass for Nosferatu, couldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially if he's wearing that jacket, which, let's be honest, he is. Um, did, did Nosferatu have difficulty doing up his coat as well? <laughs> with those big, long fingers, I would imagine he did actually <laughs> struggle to get his robes on. Him and fair. Edward Scissorhands both yeah. are very similar. <laughs> <laughs> did you get to ask that question, by the way, Jim? I know you were trying to tee it up. Which question? Of Arsene Wenger, of whether he's got some better... Uh, I did not, no. Um, but, but, you know, I'll, I'll get him yet. I'll get him. The world's most, one of the world's most thoughtful, erudite football brains. And Arsene Wenger. <laughs> I have met him once, actually. I met him in a, in a lobby in a hotel in South Africa when we were out there for the World Cup. And uh, I just sort of panicked and went, Are you enjoying the World Cup? And he just went, Yes. So <laughs> but that's what you want, right? In front of him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Don't I would have, yeah. ask closed questions exactly. when you quite, meet your yeah. heroes. I was, I was, I was babbling. I, was, I mean, it must have been more difficult for Marcus when he virtually met Sven because how do you get Sven to say, Well, that, that's, that's harder, isn't it? Yeah. I, I was like, where'd you, where'd you, where'd you get, do that. Where'd you get water from in an agricultural community? <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sven. That was fun. Um, oh, bless him. But yes. yeah, I think you, you're absolutely right about that, that um, looming absence thing, though. It does happen, doesn't it? I think, mm. you know, Klopp had it for a bit as well. And when there's, when there's a big manager out of work, it just puts added pressure on Klopp's, whoever's in the job. Klopp's it? too hyperactive to make it last for long, though. Yeah. He oh, doesn't absolutely. have the patience, does he? Hmm. 
I don't know. Do, do you not think that Poch is just like, you know, making spreadsheet upon spreadsheet and trying to design a special football algorithm and, and all those sorts of things while he's awake? Mm. I mean, probably. Or, or, or taking a lot of phone calls from Leonardo. Yeah. Or him. So, and- not yet. Not yet. Yeah, no, no not yet. <laughs> just ring Allegri. Not yet. <laughs> we could do like a fan fiction pod about just what Pochettino gets up to in his spare time. We could do a whole day on it. We could, or we could put that to the listeners. I had to know. write some footballing fiction once. Did yeah. you? No, not in a, not in a um, Frank Lampard or Steve Bruce type way. Yeah. Um, but I had to write a piece for a Turkish magazine mm. on... A, See, I, I just interviewed Fatih Terim, the Galatasaray, who I've interviewed a couple of times. Mm. And it, he um, told me how Bobby Robson... Well, actually, no, that's that's not correct. I told him huh. how Sir Bobby Robson, when he left Newcastle United, recommended Terim from the, for the job because they, they knew each other. And for, for me, I think that would be a really exciting prospect. So anyway, after that interview came out and got a lot of reading around Turkey, some people from this Turkish magazine contacted me and said, would you write a piece on what would have happened if Fatty <laughs> Tirim had managed Newcastle United? What did you say? Uh, yes, obviously. No, I don't mean, did you write it? I mean, what did you say in the piece? I don't well. read your it, Turkish output, I'm afraid. It, it went well. He won loads of stuff. <laughs> Honestly, I can't remember. Yeah. That actually sounds like I, I, a ramble on feature, doesn't it? It does. Fact, it does. Do we not already have that as a feature? <laughs> Are you suggesting I read it next week Can for you? Ramble On Do in it. Turkish? Can you? There's a sidestep. I, I think yeah. we've got to work might on our Turkish audience. Niche. It might be a little niche, if I may step in there. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, you may not. <laughs> Always trying to bring us back onto the straight or narrow. Speaking yep. of which, there was some Champions League group stage action last night with triumph for two English sides, which is what we're going to tell you about now. Starting with Manchester City away in France, which, by the way, I really enjoy without the sound off. It's very... Uh, Allez, allez, allez. Like yeah, it's it's yeah, really yeah. enjoyable contributions from the players in the, in French, yeah. the Marseille side. Anyway, 3-0 to Manchester City before I but what, get to tell you. I, but I would agree that actually it's not just that with, with Marseille because the, the Velodrome, what, what an incredible stadium. Oh, it is. That, and it isn't actually, it? It's, it looks amazing without fans as well. Mm. It's such a great place. So the whole, the whole Marseille experience without fans is, is up there with anyone actually, isn't it? It's, it's funny because after they were... Um, ragging Paris Saint-Germain after they won there in, in, in September. Yeah. And um, some fans of theirs um, went onto a bridge in Paris and unveiled a big banner that said, c'est pas le capital, c'est Marseille, baby. And that's a line from a rap song right. that was done by a Marseille rapper to specifically rag Paris Saint-Germain. What does it and, translate as? Um, this, it's, it's, not the, it's not the capital, like as in here's not the capital. It's Marseille, baby. And so what they did is for the next mean for the next home game because the ground is empty, they you know when words get written in the seats, yeah. they rewrote the phrase in the seats. C'est Marseille, baby. And then of course they didn't win for the next three home games. Yeah. I thought, yeah. yeah, this doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> yeah, well they didn't look as though they were likely. I don't think to win at any point last night. They did not. No. Um, the goals from Ferran Torres, first of all. The youngsters. So they basically played without strikers as well. Yeah. It's something we're going to come on to, I think. So goal from Ferran Torres, lovely stuff. Ilkay Gundogan and Raheem Sterling. Sterling? Raheem Sterling. Oh, hi, Sterling. Is that just what you call him? Hey, Sterling. <laughs> over-familiar. Really over-familiar. We'll, we'll discuss that later. Um, so Raheem Sterling with the third. And afterwards, Pep Guardiola on, on a tear, I thought. On a, yeah. a joyful 
exuberant, in, antic, post-match experience. In one of his reveries. Oh, yeah. He just, he's on some higher, weird plane only he can access. <laughs> I actually missed that. <laughs> Mad sod. Um, yeah, I love it, though. But, I mean, it is impressive, isn't it? To, to win 3-0 away in the Champions League with no strikers is is um, is impressive because he was, you know, talking about how they it was difficult for them to sign somebody another striker because they, he said effectively they were looking for a striker of a slightly different profile from Aguero and, and and Jesus but with the same quality which for a, someone who's coming in as a third choice striker even if you've got the money city you've got that's that's difficult that's Cavani? a difficult position to well, you, as yeah. a sell yeah yeah but his wages though for that for to be a third choice striker is he going yeah, to do that I, I guess it's a, another you know we can't afford it. Sad tale for Aww. Manchester City, isn't it? Yeah. Tugs at your heartstrings. It really it? does. Really does. Really, really does. They've, they've built Not. it from, from nothing, haven't they? Um, but <laughs> but it is impressive how quickly they've managed to get that to work, though. I mean, obviously, you know, Guardiola knows his squad and he, he's, he's, you know, he knows the profile of Torres because I imagine they'll be quite forensic on the players that are coming in and how they're going to gel with everyone else. But, like, you know, it's not like they scraped by, is it? No, and I don't think really... Ferran, you could have expected to be this good this quickly. I mean, he's he's been excellent so far in the, in, in the moments that he's contributed. And, you know, you kind of thought of him as a bit of a, a stash pick and also an opportunity signing because he was relatively cheap because yeah. he was in a bad place with his relationship with Valencia and there was only a year left on his contract. But he's made a huge contribution already. And it does go back to that Guardiola thing about, you know, you want all your best players to be midfielders. Mm. And they certainly are. Yeah, <laughs> But if you come in as one of those players, you know, and you are on your game, and you know you are you know you are ready, and it is the right mm. time. It must be a delight to join City to just have everyone around you just firing on all cylinders like that. To just like, you know, you're in a triangle. You have got a choice between De Bruyne and Sterling. It must be, it must be to me an absolute yeah. Sterling. It must be an absolute <laughs> joy. And I think we're seeing that with Torres now. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I mean, it was it was funny because there was a lot of talk before the game in France about how Marseille would approach this because obviously it's an unenviable task playing Manchester City at the mm. at the best of times. Um, but Marseille came into this game having lost 10 successive games in the Champions League. Uh, obviously, this goes back a number of years because the last time they were in the group was seven years ago. Um, but in, in the press conference before, and you know we talked about Guardiola's intensity, I have to say... AVB won in the press room. He's so won in the press room before and after the game because before the game, he'd said that they said, well, you know, look at how Leon beat them in the quarterfinals of the, the, the Champions League in, the, in, in Lisbon. Have you thought about doing that? Like going to, going to five at the back because that's what, that's what Leon did. It worked for Leicester at the Etihad. And he said, you can't ask a Marseille manager if he's going to do what Leon did. We would we would never copy what Leon did. Obviously, they went out with five at the back, played as if they'd never seen a football team play five yeah. at the back before, gave away that early goal to Fed Antonis. And, like, you know, Manchester City were well worth their win and, and more. But the, the, the last thing you can be doing is giving away goals like that to, to Manchester City. And afterwards, what was really amusing is that Villas-Boas kind of sidestepped the blame for that by saying, um, at Marseille, you know, if, if Marseille had lots of money, maybe Pep Guardiola would, would be the coach and you'd be playing brilliant football. But as it is, you've got AVB and these sort of tactics. <laughs> Speaking those, about himself those, in the third person. Those were words. Well, it's a great acronym, but... You know, if I, if I was, if I, I know, if I was called, uh, uh, yeah. What's your, what's your middle name, Victor? A V B. 
<laughs> I'm going to change it to that. I'm going to change it. The is really cheap, apparently. It's like 15 quid. Let's is, get it done. Right. Let's get it done now. Yeah. Um, sign up to the patron. And we'll change Andy's name. <laughs> <laughs> You're in for it, aren't you? Sorry, yeah, I'm not saying I'm, this I'm half term. I'm in for that. Yeah, all right, yeah. great. It's a good acronym and always good to see Andre Villas-Burs, um just, you know, involved in and around football, no longer driving rally cars or whatever yeah. it is. He does look a bit, though, did you feel, he looks a bit like he's done one ski season too many. <laughs> yeah. That was that was Mourinho in the, his last season at Real Madrid, wasn't it? Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. You know, when you get too, too deep on the leisure wear, it's a mm. slippery slope, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Just go back to the tight suit. Yeah, I, you know, I felt a lot more comfortable with him when, it, when he was fit anymore. When he was, when he was, they can afford tailors. He's, he's still in his early forties. You, you can dress in a way that you know, you know, accentuate certain things. But you, if you're AVB and you're Jose Mourinho, you can afford to pay a man to make right. you look good yeah, on the touchline. I agree. I felt a lot more comfortable when he was in a reservoir dog suit and slapping Fernando Torres on the bum. Mm. I mean, Fernando Torres you probably didn't feel that comfortable. comfortable. <laughs> but... AVB, what are you like? Um... Pep Guardiola also on his reverie said that Carl Walker was playing the best football that he has in the last in the four or five years that they've worked together, yeah. which I mean, I think is, is, is right. But I don't know why he was thinking about it last night, particularly, because as far as I could tell, Marseille had what? one shot on target maybe because Carl Walker was playing so amazingly I didn't even notice it Mm. but it felt as though he wasn't being stretched in any way I think if you try and figure out why Pep Guardiola says anything in one of his post-match reveries like that way madness lies just let him get on with it just like he'll be talking about like the way Gundogan puts his studs in like (laughs) next week it's just it's just just leave him to it. Just until, leave him to until it. Until you got to the studs bit, I was very much enjoying you placing Guardiola in a Shakespearean context. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is, sh- he is, isn't he? Maybe he could give his press conferences from the Globe in yeah. the future. Yeah, in Iambic Pentameter. Support the arts in Iambic Pentameter. That'd be great. <laughs> I thought he already did, to be honest, but maybe that's by accident. How, how, how do you fit guys when he's doing his passive-aggressive thing into yeah. uh, Iambic Pentameter? Yeah. Like, that's a question. Iago wow. e- e- Mourinho. <laughs> Here's my latest sonnet. It's called Guys. I'm so happy. <laughs> the image of him standing up on that stage of the globe is one that's going to stay with me for a while. I do. I mean, that's a great crossover. Yeah, I think so. and, and I think the arts deserve support at the moment. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. He's a bard fraud. Let's move on. Uh... <laughs> hey, I'm so happy. <laughs> Finally, with that, we managed to use that material, eh? Well done, Jim. <laughs> Um, should we get to Anfield then? Liverpool 2, Midgetland 0. Um, I'm really into Midgetland as a as a performance. I thought they did well. I mean, let's not forget that. So Liverpool were 1-0 up in the 89th minute when Anders Dreyer had an amazing chance that he, you know, sort of chipped the goalkeeper, but mm. but it just hit the side netting, didn't it? I mean, they Alisson, were under the cosh. Alisson did really well there, actually. Did really. And in fact, that was the same guy who had the chance in the second minute, Dreyer. Yeah, he did, didn't and he? And again, yeah. he came out and dominated the area and, and saved that too. Yeah, he did. And um, I, I thought I thought they did great, really. And especially as they got a proper old belting off Atalanta early on and we've seen from the Atalanta Ajax game that this, this is going to be a competitive group mm. I think 2-2 you know, the final score was that yeah, yeah that's, that's right game. and I, I think when Liverpool look at this and look at the first game against Ajax I mean lots of people will look at the performances and think they've been a little bit underwhelming of course I think in terms of performances you've got to cut teams a bit of slack at the moment because the schedule is 
mad. I just yeah. think you've 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 got to be reasonable. Um, but to be in a position where they can just win the games and keep it tight in this group, I think there's absolutely no arguing with that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, he, and giving the front three a bit of a rest anyway, for sure. I mean, it's it's a compliment really to to, to them that. that that they they had to bring those players on eventually. They had to bring on Firmino and Salah. I mean, Firmino clock, missed clock. a big chance. He's really, not really, really big chance. To, is he out of form, Firmino? Do, do we really judge him by his goal scoring though? No, I don't no, we, we don't. Do. But I but wonder if it's symptomatic. Time, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You should still be putting, you know, relatively simple chances away, even if we don't judge him by that. I would yeah. say. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a funny one, isn't it? It's actually quite nice to see Liverpool's alternative front three. Isn't it with yeah. Origi, um, Minamino, and um, and um, Jota starting there? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, have the defensive issues that Liverpool have, in theory, had with Van Dijk being out and and Fabinho having to step back and now picking up an injury? Have they masked how well Jota's doing? I feel like people aren't talking about excellent. how well he's 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 just arrived and thrived. And in two different positions so far, I think yeah. it's, it's quite interesting that. He's someone who's thought of as backup for the the front three, mm, but they've played and, and him they've played in the midfield middle three, as well, yeah. haven't they? I mean, he's, he's an incredibly versatile footballer, and knowing a bit about him and having followed his career since he's quite young, he's not gone there to be on the bench. No, he hasn't. he's he's gone there thinking I can get myself into this this team. But it's, it's funny. I think if you look backwards at the struggles that Atletico Madrid say have had with strikers give or take a, a Griezmann obviously because we think of Atletico Madrid and these great front players like Forlan and um, Aguero and players like that but, but and Cavani re- oh no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sad sad story but but the re- the reality is they've they've bought a few duffers not least buying back Diego Costa actually and um, he's one that, that that got away I mean you know he did one pre-season with them and then got loaned out and and, and that was it and you know, he, a lot of people questioned him. A lot of people at home in Portugal questioned him when he when he went to Wolves and um, backed himself, and he's, he's he's done an absolutely fantastic job. Strangely meek celebration, didn't you think after the after his goal, Diego Jota? I suppose it was basically Trent Alexander Arnold's goal, and he mm. just uh, sort of tapped it in from a couple of yards out. But his his celebration, if you remember, it was a sort of arms crossed, like the arrogant arms crossed pose, but done in a very like oh. I'm doing it, like he, but only for a second. Like, like press the wrong button. <laughs> yeah. Did the wrong celebration. It's like, oh, I can't really commit to this. This isn't really what I'm meant to do. Yeah. Uh, th- that happened quite a lot in, uh, in, in FIFA 99 on the PlayStation. <laughs> I, I, I remember blocky Alan Shearer doing air guitar by the corner flag. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't even do that when he scored that double at Blackburn that time. Yeah. You, know, you know where he no, did those not normal commemorative celebrations yeah, that were extremely ill-advised? He put his arm up, didn't he? <laughs> didn't, he uh, didn't he try and like copyright that or something similar at one point Shiri tried to get that uh, make that a trademark in some way it's a shame that Jordan Shakiri wasn't around at that time because the blocky graphics would have made it so realistic <laughs> <laughs> having said that he was really good in the Fantastic Four <laughs> Klopp afterwards paid uh, lots of homage to Midland, well organised something like that always gets my full respect he said it was a Bing, 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 bing game, pretty much. That was, said that's a direct quote. Wow. <laughs> Read into that what you will, but he also Could said... That be more clear. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel this is inevitable. Ever since we started talking about 
players being inappropriately smacked on the bum quite hard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what he meant. He yeah, also possibly. said it's, it's a marriage. You have to work together in good and bad times. This is not a bad time, he clarified. It's a tricky time. In these times, you have to fight even harder. Mm. So what they... Um... What they're going to do about the whole defensive situation? We touched on Fabinho picking up an injury. We don't know how serious it is. So it might. Hopefully, it's only a, a very, very short-term thing. But well, he are... said Hammy, didn't he? And but you seem to think Andy that it might be a knee. Thing, well, they, which they could were, be much worse. They were checking his knee um, on the pitch, but if Klopp thinks it's a hamstring, I mean, that's all I'm saying is that's probably a good thing because yeah. it, it it could have been a a, a lot worse. Mm. So, so they play City in what ten days or something. So. Looks as though either way he's not going to be fit for that. Well, it's it's, it's tough, isn't it, to to imagine him coming back? But I think that they're in a position where they're leaning on him anyway. I mean, yeah. they'll they'll miss him in midfield if nothing else. Right. I mean, you know, if you go back, what we've talked about this before, but if you go back like thirteen, fourteen years, in what was it, two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, when Chelsea lost the, the the title by a whisker, I think the bit that lost them the title was when. John Terry got injured and Essien got moved into the back four. Mm. Mm. Not because Essien didn't do a brilliant job as a centre-back, no. because they missed him in midfield. And, you know, it's incredible to think, if you go back to the beginning of when Fabinho signed for for Liverpool, people were questioning him, saying, oh, he's not in the team. What's what's the issue? Well, adaptation, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, he's become absolutely integral for them. And, you know, uh, much as he can do a job at centre-back, it's, it's not sustainable to have him there, I don't think. No. Mm. Um, so what do you think they, they do in this situation? Is any sort of conversation about Liverpool having an issue in a certain position moot when you've got James Milner in the squad? <laughs> yes, I think so. I think probably. I, mean, I don't remember seeing him play centre-back, but we know he can play anywhere, right? So maybe is this, is this, this the is time the for him to complete his, you know, his, his starting position of every 11 aside from the goalkeeper? Unfortunately, we never see this because he takes set pieces. But I would love to see him score a Van Dyke-esque headed goal from a corner mm. and then like rip his shirt off <laughs> to reveal his surprising muscles. A bit like yeah. when Ned Flanders is like trimming the bushes yeah. and like Homer's like looking over the fence. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to find that James Milner was stacked. And I also wouldn't oh, he be surprised is. to see him. Like, his yeah. face is stacked. That's how stacked it is. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him like put, put home a header from his own corner. Like, yeah, it could be done. Yeah, it could be done. That's cool. Only by him. In the meantime, Reese Williams did a good job on the night. 19 years old and he now has more Champions League appearances than uh, Premier League. So that's an wow. intriguing way of uh, working up to to full fitness and to competing in the team. So yeah, that's that's the plan that they've got at the moment. We shall see how long Fabinho is out for. And, and as Klopp said, this is the very last thing we wanted to yeah. see. I mean, it's so. a baptism of fire, isn't it? But the, the, you know, the mood around Liverpool and the, the togetherness that squad has is um, makes you think that like if anyone can cope with it, then it's them. It certainly is. All right then. Can we cope with the next part of the football ramble? Find out after this. Hello, I am Sven Goran Eriksson, and you are listening to the football ramble. Well, uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, bless him. We don't know. It doesn't say on the... I press the button. Don't know if anyone knows. Um, but yeah, so it doesn't say on the button what Who is going to come be. out. Also, like it's a lucky dip. It's a lucky dip, yeah. So you were just As drawn it... to it, some would say. <laughs> I was drawn towards it by one of our right. uh, delightful colleagues. But um, yeah, I didn't know. So the joy is 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 great. Uh, welcome back to the Football Ramble with me, Andy, you, Jim you, and You Sven. said that. You said that like someone who doesn't have English as their first language. <laughs> the joy is Or someone just flustered by Sven. Just by the <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Hey, I've long suspected that Sven looks different to women. Do you think there's, there's no. something to that? No. <laughs> he looks differently at women, that's for sure. <laughs> A bit of miming from Jim there. Beautiful stuff. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's painted a right picture in my mind. Okay, Gregor Wappler has Wappler, Wappler, Wappler. Write in, tell us how we pronounce your name. Thanks for emailing. Uh, he says, Hi, Ramblers. Whilst decorating my house, I've saved up and binged episodes of the last few weeks' worth of the Ramble. That is a very sensible thing to do, Gregor. Thank you. Uh, I thought I'd email in on the subject of mad tactics employed at grassroots level and the coaches who take it too far. When I was at uni, I helped out coaching in my brother's under-13s summer team. Our plan was to try and play nice, attractive football. However, if this wasn't going to plan, we had a secret weapon, a centre-back with an absolute rocket of a shot on him. If the team was struggling, the boys would work the ball to him around the halfway line and seven times out of ten would smash the ball into the back of the net. What a legend. Once, me and my team came up against my old history teacher who fancied himself a bit of an under-13s Guardiola. They even had the tiny centre forward. With the game coming to a close at 1-1 and the consistent shouts from my former teacher turned nemesis of short and keep the triangles ringing in my ear, the ball broke for a corner to our boys. The ball bounced about the box and broke to the centre-back who rifled it into the area where it bounced around a bit to be trundled over the line by our striker to give us the 2-1 win. Everyone was delighted, apart from Captain History, who was muttering about having the game <laughs> stolen from his team. Um, oh, P.S. I'm a balls man. Does Vish want to be the top of my head's agent. <laughs> Thanks for that, Gregor. A lot to chew over, in, yeah. especially in the last couple of lines there, but thanks yeah. for emailing in with that. Well, I, I'm surprised that, that that's gained some traction so quickly. They were talking on the show yesterday about using bald men's heads as advertising space. You're surprised um, after 12 years that you're surprised. Yeah, you're right, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, sh- I shouldn't be surprised, should I? But yeah, I mean, keep it coming in. It's, it seems like it could be quite a lucrative sideline for Vish. But um, yeah, I love, I, I mean, I, I just, every trends move in football, don't they? And then the delusions of, of coaches working at those, those levels, um, mm. lower down with kids, also move with them. So... I'd imagine it's a lot of a lot of really really high pressing front threes at the moment within the kids game. Just these knackered kids, <laughs> too small to actually be able to enable it, getting, getting absolutely bollocked because they're not Sadio Mane. Love it. You have frontline experience of uh, little kids being taught to do incredibly technical things, don't you, Andy? I, I suppose, yeah. In more in the basketball yeah. arena than in football. Yeah, that that is that that is that is true. But um, it's it's kind of hard to relate because he knows more about basketball than me. So, right. Whereas no one knows more about football than you. <laughs> so yeah, 
I mean, it's not probably that hard to get a tiny centre forward, is it, if you're coaching a bunch of under 13s? Mm. Or actually, no, probably growth spurts are happening around then, aren't they? I don't know. I tell you, the best year I had in um, schoolboy football was when I was about 13, so I grew eight inches in a year. Wow. Bloody hell. It was incredible. I could just batter other kids out of the way. It was fantastic. <laughs> Clip that. <laughs> I could just batter kids out. <laughs> well, I was a kid. <laughs> sure, sure. That's sure. not going to come across in the clip, though, is it? So. <laughs> no one's counting. Um, yes, don't. That's, yeah, we can rephrase that later. <laughs> Thank you for the insight, Andy. <laughs> Email us show at footballramble.com. We love getting your emails. You can also tweet us at footballramble. Just things come from the FA uh, yesterday afternoon I think it was uh, about a diversity code they said the football association has today launched the football leadership diversity code to drive diversity and inclusion across English football with over 40 clubs across the Premier League etc all the other leagues um, have committed to tackle inequality across senior leadership positions which sounds broadly speaking like a pretty good thing teams like Manchester United City Leicester or a lot of the big ones and then also further down the um, the Football League Cambridge United Lewis as well so they've signed up both their men's and women's teams to to this and the England national team has also committed to it the idea is basically that in these senior leadership positions for example there's a percentage of new hires that are going to be for example black, Asian or mixed heritage uh, or female uh, so 30% of new leadership hires will be female. That's the idea. And then in the coach, coaching side of things, in the men's professional clubs, 25% of new hires will be BAME. Um, yeah. What do we make of this? I, I broadly think it's a good idea that this conversation has been turned into something a bit more concrete, but equally it doesn't seem that it has to be that concrete. Well, this is it, isn't it? It's not actually that con- concrete. As I understand it, these are just recommendations, right? So it's it's you know it's, if somebody doesn't uh, adhere to this, they're not going to be. There's not going to be any sort of repercussions for it. And I suppose as well, like it is difficult to impose quotas as well, and not necessarily. Um, that's not always going to to work, I suppose. But I think you know it's it's definitely it's a step in the right direction, and it's it's a conversation that needs to be constantly had and constantly addressed and constantly reviewed. And I think you know in football, people want to be as efficient as possible, right? And I think. The current mode, which is just the same, the same, the same, pale, male, stale, uh, is inefficient. It's like building an orchestra and and just mostly using the oboe. Do you know what I mean? It's not. It's not. It's not getting. It's not going to be the best possible um, combination that you need to to move your institution forward. So uh, even even in a quite sort of dispassionate sense like that, it's kind of it, it is. We are probably hopefully coming to the end of the time where you look at a board of directors and it is just old white men. Um, so I hopefully this will be something that will help kind of make that a bit more diverse in the future. Uh, it's qu- quite interesting. Um, Comments related to Jermaine Defoe recently, who was apparently saying he's, he's, you know, he's just scored his what was it, three hundred, three hundred league goal, yeah, or career goal, um, and he's he's unsure about whether he's going to sort of look into coaching because he doesn't know if there will be a position for him. And like Jermaine Defoe, 
You know, someone he's, he's done so much and achieved so much. And we but he immediately after this, do you know this? He immediately after this said that actually he was thinking that this shows that there is a pathway. Yeah. Oh, great. Good. Yeah. yeah. That, that him specifically. Brilliant. Yeah. He said, you know, it's a big statement. People like myself and other black players. It shows there are forward steps going in the right direction. Why wouldn't you want to get into management? And well, coaching? there you go. So I, I mean, mean, it's not obviously it's not like here was a problem and they've instantly solved it. No. But at least if you can make it seem like there's a pathway, it's, it's, if, it's if a he, start. Yeah. If he and, feels and it's, it's, it's just the start. Yeah. You know, I think that needs to be acknowledged. But I think what's the, the best bit about it is the, the, the target of the 15% in the new executive jobs. Mm. Th- that is something that will really change it. Um, because, yes, it would be great if there were a, a more mixed base of, of coaches. But, you know, they're, they're, they're still employees, you know. I, I think when you've got right. decision makers who are more diverse at the top of the game, that's something that's really going to make a difference to to how the game's run. I liked how they said in the statement, the aim is to move away from recruitment practices founded, focused on personal networks, which is a long-standing challenge across football and has limited the diversity and leadership across the game. It is really difficult in yeah. football, though, because it's easy to forget that football's a really small community, isn't it? Yeah. And people... and. I mean, in all walks of life and, mm. and jobs, people know someone and yeah. put in a good word for them. And it's just sort of how we function as, as humans, isn't it? So it's a difficult thing when these things are so entrenched to go, actually, there's a problem here and to, to do something about it. So this is, you know, this is very, very welcome, I think. I thought it's it quite interesting that Southampton have, have, have not committed to it yet. Yeah, but aren't they... Um... The reasoning for that is that there's the, the Premier League have something else in place, don't they? Is that right? That they that, and they're waiting to see how that pans out because yeah. I think they're committed to they commit to something similar elsewhere. So they want want to see how those things join up. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's actually really important. I mean, we saw that with QPR not taking the knee and Les Ferdinand's mm. re, re response to that, didn't we? I, I think it is quite important, not just for Southampton to be like told off or or, yeah. or, or torn out, but just some sort of understanding of, of, of the way they're, they're looking at it and rather than just, you know, just saying, yes, we're in. Mm. You know, you, you want to see some action and you want to see some engagement with the, with the principles and some sort of commitment to, to implementing those, right? That's a really interesting point, isn't it? Because, I mean, I'm in, I actually am in two minds about it because obviously I think it's, as I said at the beginning, I think it's important that we're talking about these sort of issues and, and it's the fact that they seem aware, at least, of the problem is one important step, isn't it? But then equally, because these are just, like, suggestions, there's no kind of... You're not signing up to enforce this in any way. It could, if you're looking at it really cynically, it could be that you sign up to it and it shows you it. have and then you just don't do it. Yeah. But you've signed up to it so people know you mean to be mm. good. Well, I guess that's going to be, you know, um, that will be proven on a case-by-case basis, won't it? And that will happen over time. So I guess we'll we'll see. Yeah, all right then. And if Jermaine Defoe's going to change, you know, and Tyrone Mings was saying as well, he's looking at a path into management as well. That's, that's I guess, broadly speaking, making people feel more welcome is mm. a key point of anything. Absolutely. I mean, the coaches we'll have lost in the past. Oh, it's so it's, sad, it's, it's, isn't it? Is, it really is. Yeah. Yeah, and from a female perspective, I always wonder about that as well. It just, you know, if you're just halving your talent pool yeah, and then halving absolutely. it again, you're yeah. obviously not. It's like, ridiculous. If you only ever hired, uh, I don't know. But I, th- I think this is really important that, that it, it should be seen as not just coaches. That the representation in the game goes beyond that. Goes, yeah, goes higher than that. I think that is important. Now, guys, we, as we know, we've got on the continent to come tomorrow, but we do have a bit of 
semi-breaking European football news, which we did want to dig our little... I was going to say heels, but I don't mean that. Our teeth. Dig our teeth into, because Joseph Bartomeu, um, I can announce, this is him, from the horse's mouth himself. itself, I can announce some extraordinary news. Yesterday, we accepted a proposal to participate in a future European Super League, which would guarantee the future financial sustainability of the club. And we have accepted the Club World Cup format. And, oh, I'm resigning, kind of. Yeah, then he dropped the mic, right? (laughs) (laughs) What happened? But not on on purpose, if you you know Bartomeu. Onto his foot. Yeah. After all of these rumblings related to Lionel Messi, yes, the chairman and the board of Barcelona stood down in one fell swoop yesterday off the back of what looked like it would be. They don't call it that there, do they? But a vote of no confidence effectively was being built up over the last few weeks. And it looks as though they kind of jumped before they could be pushed. That's right. And um, I went to the general council of the club. Um, Bartomeu and, and his board and, and tried to put off the vote of no confidence. Um, <laughs> and they had it all to, counted again, didn't to, they? To, well, the, no, they, they, they tried to, um, they, they were saying protect the safety of the members. They didn't want everyone to, 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 to come out and, and vote and take part in this vote of, of, of no conf- this motion of no confidence. It's like, hang on. So you don't want people to come out for this but you were trying to get the sign-off for 35,000 people to come to the ground for the game against Fred and Schwarzer. Interesting. Interesting. And so not not being able to postpone it uh, seemed to be the end. But Bartomeu is the original mangy cat who has had nine lives. I mean, how he's held on this long has been absolutely extraordinary. Mm. And it's very much in character that he dropped something like the Super League thing. There and I, th- I think it just shows uh, everything that the Super League's about. Well, obviously, Javier <laughs> Tebas has, has has come in and um, said, "Well, you know, this just shows that he doesn't know what he's talking about." Yeah, basically, confirms his ignorance about the football industry. I mean, Javier Tebas would say that, but well, he on, owns on the, the football industry. On, he? Yeah, obviously, he's a La Liga president. Uh, he doesn't own Neymar anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think. I think the interesting thing is though that it's, it's sort of. It's just the ultimate thing against the the European Super League. A that someone like Bartomeu would want to sign up to it, and B that he's saying, as as you were saying, Kate, when he talked about securing the future of Barcelona, the only way we cannot fall into this absolute financial abyss yeah. is by playing a Manchester United and Real Madrid every week. And Joseph, how did we get into this financial abyss? That's what I want to know. Yeah, that is that is the question. Of course, he has been doing the equivalent of like sort of prizing the family silver away over the last little while. Just after that Fenech Varos game, they announced um, a number of new contract renewals, one of whom was Gerard Piquet, who's had his contract extended till 2024 which uh, you know PK is one of the greatest players of Barcelona's modern times mm. but it's extremely optimistic to think that yeah. he's got four years left in the tank unless a couple of those years are going yeah. to be his president which I wouldn't completely rule out I mean, it seems as though he just used it to say how how shitty Barcelona were didn't I mean, yeah. <laughs> that was I mean, the weird thing about that yeah that, that's, that's the thing he was, it was very on a on a level with with Messi yeah I mean, it's, it's incredible that you get a player to stay and in the, you know they've got two of the most legendary players of, of, of the clubs not just modern history but history full stop to stay and yet they've turned it into a thing where the supporters probably feel worse yeah. afterwards. I mean, after the, I mean, obviously after the Bayern game, after the, the, the 8-2, that's it's a unique set of circumstances. But PK was offered to, offering to quit and was then being linked to Fulham. 
But that wasn't that long ago. And I now thought he's that got was just Marcus's wicked contract. whispers. No, no, no. <laughs> it, may, it could well be, actually. Maybe he was leaking that to the press. But yeah, it's, um, it's pretty spectacular, isn't it? Everything that's happening at Barcelona at the moment. Um, it, it, it has been all summer as well. But one of the interesting things he's put in there, I keep forgetting about this Club World Cup thing. <laughs> So That's very offensive. Point... How are people supposed to be champions of the world without it? Yeah, but I, I don't like... I'm Because of the, all, all this talk about the European <laughs> Premier League and we don't know what's going to happen with the Champions League if that comes in. Are, are we going to ha- potentially have a summer where we have the Champions League, the European Premier League, and then the Club World Cup after that? I mean, it it's is... It's going to be too much and it's going to be rubbish. Jim, it is absolutely extraordinary, I think, that the one thing we should have learned from post-pandemic football is there is too much of it. Yeah, yeah. And now they're trying to stuff more into uh, no, it. No, it's uh, we'll, we'll pile more on. I imagine the European Super League is intended to just replace all of the leagues of all of the other countries, so there won't actually be that much football after all. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> no championship, no Premier League, do, do no want, League 1 and do, 2. Do you want Arsenal to cling on and win the Premier League? Well, when if everyone else goes league? out of it, maybe we'll have a chance. I don't know, we'd still, we'd still mess it up. That's the spirit, mate. <laughs> you sound like you're not going to be signing up to this new, newly launched Hector card. I will be signing up to the Hector card if they call it a Hector card. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm not sure. I've launched a new loyalty point. It sounds like a Boots card or like yeah. a, uh, I don't know what the point of it is. But if you win enough points as an Arsenal yeah. fan, you can you can buy special well, you Arsenal get, you experiences. Get, you, get special you get more mon- Arsenal. Money can't buy experiences. I think it's quite a smart way of just bringing in a bit of extra revenue, actually, which every club needs to be looking at at the moment. So it is, it is effectively like a Nectar card, a Hector card, where uh, if you spend like if you spend with certain organisations, you get points on your Hector card, and then I don't know, you get to hang out with Ganosaurus for a day or whatever. I don't know what the what the what the um the things are yet, but you know. Clubs have got to be clever, haven't they, with money? And so you're yeah, buying into play. this? Yeah, I mean... You don't think this is the, you know, this is the final frontier, the real commercialisation moment where Jim Campbell is out? Sky, it's not now. Sky Sports Kate Mason. Have you, have you not noticed that that happened a long time ago? <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> burn. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, I am in charge of football. Uh, I thought you'd never realise... <laughs> But it's out there now. Okay, well, do we think so? Do we think Bartomeu is actually going, or is this yeah. just a, or is this yeah. just another actually, stage in the negotiations of him trying? He's to... actually going, and what's so important is that the board are going as well. You know, this is not like Trump leaving and Pence taking over. Mm. So, um, it, hopefully, for Barcelona, it will be a new start. But like I said, I think he's left quite a lot of financial skeletons in the closet. I think it might very well get worse before it gets better. And it's interesting. If you look at the deals that have been signed recently, they're sort of backloaded. So it's like, well, we, we want to offer you this new contract worth X million. We can only afford to pay you this amount now. So it won't be that much in the first year. But oh, it's down the line, yeah. when I'm down the line. Yeah. When your value is less, we'll pay you more effectively. Yes. That's right. Do you think Messi will just step up as president now? Yeah. Player manager it might president. just be the best thing for everyone involved. <laughs> he's too meek. What? Yeah, he's too meek. Mm. Are you Would serious? I thought he was supposed to be terrifying. Well, the people are terrified of him, but I think that's because of their perception of him more than the power. actuality of, 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 of him. So I, he wouldn't want to be president. It has to be PK if you're talking <laughs> about a current player. And he's always set himself up for that. Yeah. Multilingual, charming. Intelligent. He runs real a tennis leader. event. 
strong strong sense of Catalan identity, which is something that a lot of a local Barcelona fans feel has been lost. Mm. All those things are important. And the tennis, obviously. He can run things. I'm joking. I'm joking. His focus is pretty, you know, pretty much on Barcelona, as we well know. And for more chat on this and total focus on perhaps on Barcelona, take on Juventus in the Champions League tonight and a roundup of all the other big, all the biggest stories from another round of midweek European football. Please do listen to tomorrow's episode of On the Continent on Football Ramble Presents. Who is with you, Andy? Uh, it is Dotton, as always, and uh, David Cartledge. Oh, a bit of that nice. Spanish flavour. Oh, right. There's going to be plenty of Spanish flavour in there. And tomorrow's show on the Football Ramble, it is Marcus. You again, Andy, showing up. Thanks very much it's for not, that. It's not me never going home from BT. It's me never going home from here. I like mm, that. Yes. And it's also going to be Pete as well. Lovely to see you guys today. Have you had a nice time, Andy? Delightful. <laughs> what about you, Jim? Yeah, it gets me out of the house, doesn't it? That is important, <laughs> particularly in pandemic Britain. Look after yourself, guys. See you next time. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.